0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan, in case you had forgotten. We're back after a short summer holiday. I was all the way down home in West Cork. Got to see three gigs in a week. Junior brother in the Saint Sister, at Connolly's of Lep and Jape in Kilkenny's Set Theatre on the way back to Dublin. Three gigs in a week. Just like old times. What a holiday. It's kind of like old times anyway. Hopefully everything starts back up without a hitch over the next few weeks and months. Anyway, today on the TPOE podcast is Orla Gartland, who released her long-awaited debut album Woman on the Internet in mid-August while I was on my holidays. This chat took place uh, on a shaky internet connection in Ross Carberry. Orla was on the Point of Everything podcast back in August 2018, episode 96, if you want to go and check that one out. She was talking then about moving from Dublin to London and all that is involved in that. So it was great to chat with her again, three years on, pretty much three years on. Uh, Just before the release of Woman on the Internet. I love it. I think it's a really positive record that I think is going to connect with a lot of people new fans, old fans, and everybody else. We're listening to Do You Mind right now. Stay tuned to the end of the chat to hear more like you. has a couple of live gigs lined up in December. She plays the Academy in Dublin on December 16th, Dolan's Warehouse in Limerick on the 17th and Cork's Cypress Avenue on the 18th. See, just like old times, an Irish tour just before Christmas. I started out by asking Orla how she was feeling a couple of days out from the release of Woman on the Internet.
1: I know. I am so excited. Yeah, these things always take like so much longer than you think and I feel yeah I feel really good about it I think no amount of preparation ever feels like enough like you just need a cut off you know what I mean you can keep you know I feel like I've been quite ambitious with this album and I always want to be like making more videos and like I wanted to make a podcast I wanted to do like all this stuff and I think there comes there comes a point where you realize like you've done all that you can and you just have to like sit sit down so yeah I'm kind of looking forward to that being the cut off and being like That's it now.
0: You've produced the album as well. And you also do your Patreon too. Like one of the things that I've noticed talking to artists in the past couple of months is just the workload that is on artists' shoulders, particularly ones like you who are self-releasing. Like, does it ever get too much? Do you ever have to take a step back? Or are you kind of happy at the moment, I suppose, just kind of like, lay lay it on me, like, let me do it all.
1: Yeah, I do know what, I like wearing a lot of hats on some days on most days like it works well for me like I am pretty self-sufficient I feel like the DIY way of doing this comes very naturally to me and actually any time over the last couple of years that I've flirted with the idea of like signing or been in a situation where I could have had a bigger team like something about it doesn't sit right with me so I think it does get overwhelming sometimes but on those moments I realize that like I have I have kind of done this to myself I do think, yeah, I think there's a lot expected of artists right now. And I think I feel reasonably lucky that some of it, not all of it, but some of it comes naturally to me, but it's definitely an interesting point. And I think I know so many artists that are like incredibly good at music, but like incredibly bad at the internet and that's not their fault because there's completely different skill sets. So yeah, it's kind of a weird thing where you're sort of, I feel like I'm sort of a musician and a songwriter producer, like do the music stuff. I'm also you know, self-promotion-y social media marketing manager the other half of the time. And then in between wearing, you know, various hats on different days, like directing music video or like doing some accounting or like, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of different hats.
0: But well, uh, what's your what's your least favorite part of it? So like, are you just happy to try your hand at all of it and see what fits?
1: Least favorite hat. Um, yeah, your
0: least favorite hat. I
1: think the the social media side of it is my least favorite by far
0: just having to like promote your own stuff and say like look at me I'm great
1: yeah it feels really indulgent and I think I don't know if it's an Irish thing it's funny because I speak to a lot of like I'm based over in London now and I speak to a lot of like UK artists and I it is sort of a British thing as well but this you know it doesn't go for considering it's my job it doesn't come that naturally to me to be like look at me buy my thing do my thing follow this link so it's kind of yeah it just goes against my nature weirdly but it is just part of the job and there's also like just being on your phone a lot is so damaging for your head so there's a lot of times where if, if, it, if it wasn't part of the job I would like so happily delete Instagram in a heartbeat
0: why really So
1: I, yeah definitely I think it does it does come naturally to me like I do I do have like a rhythm that I can fall into with it but it's very hard to um you have to engage with the platforms you know you can't just like come on drop your post expect that everyone will love it and then leave like you have to be present and I think just the constant that is not it's not good for anyone but you know I think everyone has parts of their job that they don't love and to be honest anytime I meet an artist who likes that stuff more than making music that's pretty sus (laughs) you know like I think I, I don't think I'm meant to like it as much as Writing a song, I would be worried for myself if I did. So it's my least favorite part, but it's also fine. I, th-
0: I think that extends to like all levels of the music industry as well. Nobody likes doing that social media thing. I was listening to an interview or um, uh, podcast by New York Times about Lil Nas X, and they were just talking about how you know he's a child of the internet. He grew up almost as a troll, sort of thing. So he knows the language and stuff. And then he just reached the level where you know he had a team who take over. His social media and then suddenly he's not posting and then there's a bit of a fan backlash because they can tell you know what tweets aren't his and stuff you you ever reach that level Mm -hmm. where you're like somebody else tweet for me and your fans are getting angry
1: no imagine i think i'm at a really nice level in that there's enough people around that i feel you know there's a bit of excitement when i post something whatever like i feel like there's some kind of audience but i'm also like small enough that i like know pretty much everyone's names who comments a lot and like I do see everything so it's kind of an interesting an interesting level but yeah I've noticed that I suppose that was kind of similar with Billie Eilish like I think as soon as you go down the kind of HQ route at the same time I think artists at that level being present on social media like I can imagine is actually so so toxic because the kind of interactions that you would get because of the size that you are like there there definitely comes a size of fame with with um, like proper pop stars where I think people really like truly see you as an object so it's so funny like the yeah the idea of backlash about it's like why do you get your management to to tweet for you why do you get your label to post for you and it's like because you'll probably destroy them otherwise <laughs> like you did this um, but yeah yeah Lil Nas is he's super clever and again I think yeah that's someone who's just who learned the language of the platforms and that's a whole other thing that i feel is very hard to get a grasp on unless you're actually present on the internet um because there is there's a different tone to different sites there's a different sense of humor to twitter than there is to instagram and it's like unless you're actually using those sites you won't pick up on that stuff and you'll you'll post in a way that's just cringe and not in keeping with it so yeah it's re- it is really interesting
0: yeah um we won't talk about social we could talk about social media for ages, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, but let's talk about women on the Internet. It's your debut album. Is this your first time actually attempting a debut album to write an album and, and like finish it? or have there been shelved attempts maybe in the past?
1: There was one there was one shelved attempt, yeah, I'm trying to think of when it was. I think about three years ago. I was working with two producers in London. I felt it was going well enough that I could imagine it being longer. And they were nice, but I was at that point trying to produce myself. Um, There was like a kind of, it was like a language barrier almost. Like I had ideas in my head, but didn't have the skills to execute them. So I was relying on these two guys I was working with. Things were getting lost in translation and that was getting really frustrating, which is often the case. You have an idea in your head and it's like, you know you pass it on to someone they do their interpretation and it's, it's always going to be different so I was starting at that point to like take some initiative and be like I'm going to learn to demo things so I can just literally show them what I mean and they just didn't take that well to it and, and I was kind of told to sit down essentially like that's our job and so immediately when that happened I was like this is not the right environment for a for an album to be made so I um, at that point yeah just just put that aside and then did a couple like did the rounds a little bit more in London found another producer and then started getting into a rhythm and like I, I started finding people who were up for starting from ideas and only like working with those kind of people and it was it was so much better
0: wow and so you just continued that idea on this album it's almost like a learning curve sort of thing like teaching yourself how to produce as all. Well
1: yeah 100% and and there was a huge learning curve even within these like 11 tracks like I can hear it in myself knowing the state the demos were in at different points and like how much like inevitable time and focus I had to give them last year I can definitely hear that in it and yeah I think it's just it's, it's the kind of thing you don't think about when you see a solo artist you kind of forget there are a lot of people behind the scenes and like i said i am like reasonably self-sufficient but finding like the right band was really important finding the right like co-producer partner gives me enough space but like also complements my skill set and it's been interesting i've been doing a few interviews and a lot of people have been like what took you so long <laughs> and i'm kind of like because it's like it takes a village all this stuff you know it takes a village and there's some trial and error in just finding that village you know so i think i i have i've had enough songs to make an album for years and, um but I think it's it's about like so much more than that, I think
0: does it still feel important like the debut album is the do you see this as kind of like the definitive version of yourself as an artist?
1: Yeah, to some extent, I see it as the definitive version of myself right now, and that's what I like in albums, like the fact that they are time stamped, which is not i guess is also the same for e p s and like smaller projects, but I think. Yeah, there's like a drama to like the, every time I say like the debut, there is this little thing where I'm like, I've been making music for so long that feels like almost misleading, but I think it is. I guess it's the debut and that it's the first like big body work, and I definitely made it as a body work, which was different to before. Like I think EPs I've done have felt like a collection of songs that I had at the time that were my favorites at the time, but I went to like a residential studio for a few weeks and like did it as a as a chunk um rather than in bits and bobs, which is how I've made things before. So I think again, I, I don't know whether that comes across in the music or not, but like the process was definitely like approaching it as a as a bigger thing so that the songs could relate to each other. But you know, yeah, I guess, I guess it is just me right now as as will be album two and whatever year that will be me at that point. And that that's what I like as a listener, you know, just knowing that's like where the person was at at that point.
0: Yeah, like you, you talked about, um, you know, kind of changing producers and, you know, figuring out how to do it yourself three years ago. Like, I I was just looking back, wondering where kind of maybe the, the genesis of these ideas and this kind of sound came from. Like, does Why Am I Like This feel like kind of the the jumping off point for, like, this version of what you're doing?
1: To some extent, yeah. I, I remember that song being... Um... Well, I remember being heavily inspired by Phoebe Bridgers, who I was massively into at the time and still am. And I think for what, what she did for me as like a fan of her, and a lot of people in that kind of alt folk indie American circuit, which is just an interesting like group to me. I don't really feel like we have that here. Um, I think we have loads of singer songwriters, but I think I for the last couple of years had resented that term because it had this quite twee connotation I don't know if that makes sense but like my when I thought of singer-songwriters it was like this um you know this really heavy really serious like breakup songs really indulgent and and I, I as soon as I got that idea in my head there was just like this disconnect where I was like I play guitar like sure as a format I get that it does describe me but I don't I don't want that you know and then when I became a fan of her, it like helped me reclaim the term for myself because I was like, sure, you're a singer-songwriter. You're so far from Twee. It's actually really cool. It's got so much personality. And it's just not like lame. <laughs> I don't know. It's quite an American word to use, but like it's not, it's not cringe to me. So yeah, when I wrote Why Am I Like This, I think I was there's definitely a nod to her. Not that it sounds particularly like her, but I think it's more the like how specific her language is and lyrics i was like really obsessed with at that point um which i think does sort of translate into that one because i realized i was like oh it's really it's also really cool as a listener to know exactly what the person is singing about rather than shrouding everything in metaphors and mystery and sort of flowery language so i think yeah i think I, i think a lot of the album like follows on from that thought
0: as well I was thinking about Phoebe Bridgers there the other day just like I wouldn't have predicted that she'd become such an influential and big artist like I think she is genuinely like big you hear Phoebe Bridgers name and like a lot of a lot more people know who she is now um like I'm just I don't know if I have a question just like wow Phoebe Bridgers she's just become such such a an industry almost to herself
1: yeah I totally agree and I think for me like I love the music so much but like I said I think for what she's done for a lot of artists the more like culture around her that way of saying like yeah I make like I make super sad music but like I'm super funny like I've, I've been to Phoebe Bridges shows where like the crowd are like heckling her kind of like with memes because she's breeded this like this level of like irony that is so beyond my comprehension it's the most like la thing i've ever heard and it and it, you can hear it that that like humor is like tangible in the crowd and i think for that culture to be like paired with this like quite sad quite sincere music is like it's quite a juxtaposition in a way that that i like and i've always liked that kind of juxtaposition like it it's weird but it almost reminds me of like when Adele was was absolutely like everywhere and then you would hear her talk and she would have this accent that was like so in conflict to her vibe in the song and she was so funny and chatty and just hilarious and then she would start singing and it was just you know so it kind of feels like that where there's this like clash of your personality and as a person and, and in the songs but in like a way that I really like but yeah it's a big she's she's a culture in herself
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her live. I haven't seen her live yet, so I'm imagining that uh, that's going to be a bit of an experience seeing Phoebe Bridger's live. But coming back to the album, lyrically, it seems like it's really positive. Like you are trying to make that kind of connection that Phoebe is with, with the audience, kind of almost putting your arm around them and telling them that things will be okay. Was that an intentional thing at the start of the lyric writing that you were like, you wanted to write a kind of a positive album or, or a reassuring album
1: yeah definitely I think it would have been really yeah when I started writing the album I didn't know like what it would, be, it would be about but I did think of like what kind of general tone do I want to hit here and I think it would have been so easy to make a miserable lockdown album last year and that was kind of the that was really the only deliberate thing that I had in my head going into it was like I refuse refuse to write about how sad it is to be stuck inside because I think that kind of music is not going to age well. And and I also knew how long it would take me to get out. So that would be like, so sad to be releasing like a really, um, you know, an album about last year. I don't think it needs to exist at all, but it definitely doesn't need to be released the following year. So yeah, it definitely was deliberate for it to be the soundtrack of like a more hopeful time. I didn't know what that time would be like or when it even would be, but I definitely wanted to do that and it's easy it's so easy for me to write like sad songs like i could do that in my sleep it's the like more upbeat stuff that is harder especially when you're writing by yourself um but that's kind of like a fun i think that's like a fun challenge you know but it's like as soon as i get at the piano like that stuff just pours out but it's like eh, i don't want a whole 11 12 tracks of that
0: <laughs> not yet anyway
1: not yet like dreary album five sure
0: (laughs) no I think I think it's just like a statement you know the first line is the album don't compare your face to the other faces it's not worth it like I think it's just a message that people will be happy to hear as well um with like who were maybe apart from Phoebe Bridgers who were the other artists that you were listening to to kind of strike that that right tone lyrically
1: yeah I think there's um I I really was listening to a lot of Fiona Apple, particularly when I wrote that song. I don't know which one in particular. Well, there's one called Hot Knife, which is my favorite of hers. I don't think that really sounds like my album, but um, I think she is so amazing. And yeah, it's like, I guess she is very like imagery based, but it's also like just very conversational. I just think her like whole spirit is pretty amazing. And then I think for some of the like heavier moments on it, I was listening to a lot of cranberries actually there's like one song called over your head which is like definitely a nod to
2: in your head in your head
1: so I think yeah my like on one end of the influence spectrum is probably the more like and also a bit of like Imogen Heap and Regina Spector are like always they're my like you know godparents of like they're just kind of always there somewhere um And then, yeah, for, like, some of the heavier stuff and and a little bit of, like, pop as well. But I think that's more in the writing probably than the production, I'd say.
0: Yeah, and and talking earlier about, you know, you didn't want to make a lockdown album. I mean, how do you follow up, you know, Fiona Apple's lockdown album that she she released last year? Pretty much. I mean, it's perfect.
1: It is perfect. Yeah, I think, and when I said lockdown album, like, I... There was so much music made last year and released last year, which is not about lockdown. And that's fine to me. I think so many, you know, we all had so much more time than we ever expected to have last year. Like music will have been made then it's more just, I didn't want it to be about, you know, I saw artists at the beginning of lockdown releasing songs called like six feet away. And it was like, like, ugh, that made me want to like gag. I just, I don't think that is your job as a musician to, Maybe it's inevitable that the zeitgeist like creeps in, but um, I don't think it's going to age well. I think I think our job is to distract people from that kind of stuff, you know, rather than um, <laughs> make them think more deeply about it.
0: And the, the final track on the album, Bloodline, Difficult Things, it seems to be about your experience moving to London all those years ago. Is that your first time kind of writing about that and thinking of home and kind of um, what's expected of you?
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah definitely I've wanted to write about my family for ages but never really had the right um I don't know the right words and really what I had to say and um yeah there's like a little bit of spliced up kind of camcorder footage um from some tapes I just found in the attic kind of I think it was like beginning of last year and in the midst of like maddening lockdown just trying to keep myself busy was just making a lot of like little beats and um loops and you know not even like writing songs but just like making little sections of beats and then splicing some of the camcorder audio just like in on top and just seeing how it made me feel and then you know kind of just building stuff on top of that so it was kind of made in like a slightly different way to the other ones but uh yeah no it's it's definitely a nod to my family and more specifically about kind of the traits we get from our parents good and bad and how you're not sort of you don't have to be like that you know what I mean like I think I'm definitely like a mix of my mom and my dad like naturally but like equally if there's something in that chain that you don't like like you you can also break it so it's kind of meant to be like empowering in that sense you're not like a victim of like all the all the bits of you that you've inherited you you are also like your own person I guess
0: uh I think you're in Dublin at the moment have you been home for long has it been nice kind of being back
1: I just got back yesterday. Oh, okay. okay. Um, Yeah, it is. uh, It's nice to be back. Although I got demoted to this, like, the crappiest room in the house because I don't live here. So why would they give me a good room? Totally fine. Um, Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, I just I knew before the week had any shape on it. I knew I just wanted to be home because like a big deal for my fam as well. And I wanted to like go into tower with my dad and, you know, we're going to do a thing in the Grand Social on Saturday, but I actually didn't think we'd manage to actually organize anything like that so I was kind of expecting it to be very simple and you know obviously there's no kind of like I'm doing some in stores in the UK next week but you can't have things like that here so I was expecting very little of the trip in, in other words but actually I think it'll be really fun
0: yeah no um congratulations on the album are you um proud of it are you like happy with what you've achieved you're able to kind of stand back and be like that's a great piece of work
1: yeah, I am actually. That that was that's always been my, I think my worst fear for like a long, long time, was just making a first album that I didn't like. And it's it's actually so sad how common that is. Um, you know, when I first moved to London, all my friends were signing record deals and they were moving really fast and they were making albums. And at that point, you know, at that point, I just thought I was a complete failure. I was like, I've absolutely fucked this. Like, no one wants to sign me. And actually those things that were made like really quick and on other people's terms, like those are the albums that, you know, my friends look back on and they're like, you know, they don't want to hear any of it. They don't even want to think about it. It makes them feel bad. So it took me so much longer to do it this way, but I definitely, I definitely feel proud of it.
0: Great. And you should be, because I think it's a really, really good album and I hope you get to enjoy the release and I hope you get to enjoy the uh, touring of it hopefully fingers crossed fingers oh
1: my god everything is crossed <laughs>
0: <laughs> great well listen Orla thanks a lot for taking the time and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Dublin
2: thank you thank you for having me
0: cool nice one
2: Hello love the way you sing. Look, I don't wanna fight